We're back, baby. It's 2022. Welcome. Hey, this is the Preferred Lions podcast combo with the Fantasy Golf Pod. We're going to give you everything you need to know about the 2022 season, and we're going to talk some strategy. Joe Idoni's my co-host. He's here with me right now. Joe Idoni, it's been a minute. I missed you, buddy. Dude, I miss you too. It's been so long. We were just talking. I hope we don't have a little too much rust today. I'm just busy sort of retweeting this. Bear with me just a second. A lot of things have happened since we last did a show together. There have been winners. There have been children. There have been variants. There have been holidays. Shit's The world has changed, man. So, it's, But it's good to see your beautiful property brother's face, and I'm excited to do Preferred Lines. It's been too long. Buddy, cheers to you. I'm cracking my beer. It's a Surly Furious. Hey, if you're a beer company out there and want to sponsor this podcast, great. Go ahead and DM us. If you're a guy out there listening to this on iTunes, go down, scroll down, hit that five stars. We need you to uh, like and subscribe. We can have you retweet this thing. Do all those things. Uh, Joe, we're, we're still friends. With the jock market people, we love the jock market, but now it's all NFL. You've been telling me you're crushing it in the NFL. Let's get some jock market sponsorship content going. Tell us all about jock market. NFL is fantastic. So what it is, stock market times DFS. Um, The NFL, I love the single slates uh, because essentially you can just narrow down the player pool since I'm not able to track all NFL action the way that I used to. It's easy to just sort of focus on one game. Uh, Whoever does the best, just like fantasy, is going to pay out the best. Super Mm -hmm. fun. Promo code below, PL it is, and they will give you a $50, up to $50 on your first deposit. Um, Happy to have them presenting sponsor of the show once again. Good friends. We love them. Hey, all right. And you know what else? We're upgrading. We're no longer having me do the thing. I didn't hit the button to make that thing scroll across. That's Jish Swish. That's Josh Bennett. He's the producer. Took him, promoted him from fan to now forced to be part of this every week. Jish Swish is behind uh, the scenes doing some stuff. Thanks for doing that, Josh Bennett. Uh, yep. We're, we're trying to get better. We're trying to improve. We're going to try to show your comments as we go along here. So hit up the YouTube page. This will be streaming probably live every Tuesday evening around this time, depending on when we can get bedtime routines figured out. Uh, but that'll be your chance. Here, to Jesse. Interact. Hey, Jesse's here. Like I said, I mean, we got the it's the crew. We're we're with you. We like this is an interactive show. So, uh, Joe, uh, this is the new season. Boom. We got 2022. Happy New Year. Um, We got 10 topics, my friend, and we're going to jump from topic to topic. We're going to try to get this done in a condensed you know, amount of time, not waste so much time here. So let's get this going. Let's talk about the first topic that I have on the docket for tonight. Why you can't start without talking about Tiger Woods. Mm. So Tiger Woods looked good at that child dad thing, PNC tournament. Do we expect now... This is this is Tiger in a nutshell. Over or under? What is it? Over under promise, over deliver. What is he doing to us, Tiger Woods? Uh, of course. Well, let's start with the PNC. Mm-hmm. Massively entertaining. The the viewership I think was better than the Open Championship, which is crazy, but not all that surprising, right? Uh, Good hearted, like fun at its absolute best in terms of television. Charlie Tiger Redemption Return Red Shirts. 
Uh, it was all there. But really, the question is, let's get to it. Uh, will he play? And furthermore, will he compete? The answer, Chad, is yes and fuck yes. All right. Um, absolutely, dude. I don't even think it's really that hot of a take. Um, no. We know. Oh, when? when? How soon? Are we, is it going to be in February at the Genesis? I mean, that's his hosted event. Or are we going to have to wait till the Masters? Will we actually see Tiger lace him up at, at, in Augusta? Like, Are we going to see that? I don't know about Genesis. I think we see something before the Masters. I think he definitely plays the Masters. Okay. Look, he he's set the bar very low, which is no surprise. Um, I have zero doubt when he looks into a camera like this and tells us he's going to play four or five times a year like Mr. Hogan and he's hitting the ball, but it's going nowhere, that he's bullshitting us. He's always bullshitted us in these interviews. Um, what makes this any different? You talk to any current player that has seen him recently, they say he's hitting it great. You talk to any ex-player on the broadcast, Faraday, uh, Brandle, uh, Nota Begay, they all say he's going to come back and they all expect him to win. This isn't a guy that was like had totally fallen off. He had won PGA Tour events in three consecutive years before the, before the car accident. And let me say this. So that version, that version in the red shirt that we just saw at the PNC two weeks ago, even swinging three, four miles per hour slower than he was before, walking around with a slight limp, I think that version is just as likely, if not more likely, to win again than that version that we saw in the interview at the Genesis True. last year. Oh, he absolutely. looks great. He looks yeah, he's rejuvenated. He looks mentally fresh. He yeah. looks like he has great perspective. And, and fuck it, I'll say it. He looks clean, right? He looks sure. clean. Well, um, I, I, Rather I, than that sort of bloated, percocetted sure. okay. version that we saw before, he looks great. Yeah. I think we see him play nine to ten tournaments this season. I think oh. that we see him compete on a Sunday at least once, and it's probably a major championship. Love it. Maybe at St. Andrews. We're going to get to the majors in a second here. Yes, I think Tiger Woods is going to compete again. I'd be shocked, though, if I saw him at the Masters in April. I think that's a little too soon. We've seen him take years off from all the majors and not bothered him. So I don't know if he's going to force it this soon okay. and that early. By the end of the summer, at, at you know, for the Open, where it's a flat course, maybe that helps his knee or his leg or whatever. I don't know. We'll see that. Uh, but Yes, he'll compete again. We love Tiger. He loves that grind. He loves getting himself ready and going. He like needs almost something, another mountain, you know. So maybe he's got another mountain. He's going to do it. All right, but right, Joe. Who's the next Tiger that we need to be watching? Should we talk about the next Tiger? Let's talk about that in a second. Let's talk about how the tour is in such great shape. We're young. We're beautiful. We're peak woke. The, this is it. We got the veterans that are good. We got those middle-aged guys that are awesome. And we've got these young guys coming up. I mean, we're we're deep. And we even got Phil winning majors at age 60 or whatever the hell he is. So the shape of the tour, Joe, are we confident in this? This is great, right? I'm super confident in this. Look, the 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 amount of superstars right now under 30 and furthermore, like under 25 is ridiculous. Like, look, the prime of your golf career was typically thought to be like 30 to 35 in the past even tiger who we just spoke about won like 30 times between age 30 and 35 and he was dealing with a blown acl he was dealing with a broken tibia he was dealing all this bullshit injuries going on and still able to win 30 times 
these guys are not even close to that, the majority of them yet. The PGA Tour is sitting on like a launch pad right now in terms of viewership, in terms of wagering, in terms of potential, in terms of just like social popularity, like just people wanting to golf. Right. Um, look, I think this this rocket ship that was on the launch pad for so long was powered by this single like booster, like this this giant engine that was Tiger Woods, right? And it's like rocketing this thing in terms of popularity. But when that one engine failed, so did the sport and, and everything stopped moving. Now, look, they've rebuilt this thing totally. They've recalibrated. We've got 10, 15, like 20 little mini boosters on this rocket right now that are all able to sort of propel this ship. And the best part about it is, is that if any one of them fail, it's not enough to slow this thing down. There's so many good players. We can all pick and choose our favorite and who we like the most and who we don't like the most and yep. who's the most compelling. There's so many options. Uh, I don't think anything sort of stopping golf from just being on a huge meteoric rise over the next five years. And I'm excited that this is sort of the lane that I picked to talk about. What about you? I'm loving it. And the fact that like most of the people that are on the PGA tour in their mid twenties and thirties, they grew up idolizing tiger woods. And the reason why they're the reason why they're there is the reason is tiger. So, I mean, Rom and JT and like Patrick Cantlay, we got Xander and Bryson and Spieth's even under 30. Still, you got Sung Jay, you got Morikawa, Victor Hovland, Neiman, Wolf, Scheffler, Berger. I mean, you could reach, go to Sam Burns and Cam Smith and those guys. I mean, this is a great crop of young names, but does yeah. age even matter? Can a middle-aged man rise again? Are we going to see DJ be DJ or did he peak? What's up with Dustin Johnson in your head? I don't know. It's just tough because there's so many options right now. Like we could even talk about the number one player in John Rahm. Like if John Rahm doesn't win a major this year, is that surprising? that the best player doesn't win. Well, maybe not because there's so many good players that so can easily easy. step into that role. I think that we could ultimately see a resurgence from some of the older guys. I'll always saw like sink and Phil and okay. some of these other guys do it. Um, there's so a couple that come to mind. I'll mention a couple of them later, but yeah, there's, there's just top to bottom. I think more talent, more storylines, more potential uh, than, than I can remember in the sport. You know what's funny is that we're we're focused a little bit uh, just because it's fun to focus on these young names in this group that's come yeah. out, like the Wolves and Morikawas and Hoblins. Rory, though, like, isn't he supposed to be the next Tiger and carry the torch and decide? And, like, maybe he's getting overlooked at this point. It's kind of funny that you, like, go into an offseason where Rory had okay. He won the Wells Fargo. He won something in Euro Tour, like, just after the fall. I mean – He's done okay, but we're not even thinking about Rory at all. It's crazy because Rory could easily just again cement himself as yes, I'm the I'm the bearer of the PGA Tour. We're going forward. I'm the new Tiger, and we haven't really. I mean, we're ignoring him basically. He's old now. Yeah, I think we're we're in such a search for the next Tiger, and we have been for so long. We wanted to anoint Rory this a while ago, sure, and it seems like. For me, at least, that's kind of past. Like, he's okay. not getting to, to 15, 16, 18 majors. He's not. Um, Maybe five. There's so many other guys, though, now that we're quick to do it. But like I said, the, the depth uh, that we're with right now, I just don't think that that's a reality that we're going to see one singular person um, 
dominate the entire tour like we did uh, during those 90s and early 2000s. You know what's great, Joe, is that uh, with this young crop of golfers, they're bringing in young eyeballs. They're bringing in people that want and demand to see golf shots. And the topic that I have for number three is the future of watching golf. What will it be like? Uh, Let's talk about the fact that the PGA Tour has, again, promised that they're going to step up the coverage. They're going to show us more golf shots. Do you believe this? No. Yeah, neither do I. So, like, we need this to happen, though. We need, like, at least an alternative channel that I'll pay for. Like, whatever. We've already talked about this. This is a, this is like the most common topic that everyone talks about is how annoying the coverage is and how they don't show what they should show. How they can just put a camera on eighteen, you fucking idiots. Why don't we just watch the guy make the putt or miss the putt that is mad that matters to us on a Friday afternoon? Why haven't they figured this out? Will they ever this figure this out? It sounds like they're moving towards figuring it out, at least. Yes, they're making progress. Um, it's not at the pace I think that we are all hoping for. Right. Um, but th- it's getting better. Um, I think you said it best right away that we've heard it so many times now that I want to see it yeah. uh, in order to believe it. So we right. hear that they're going to show more golf show. Look, I think you know, I want what we all want. We want to see the cut line come into play and we want to see more options on player groups and personnel and who to watch. We want to see more golf. Uh, And and that's a tough ask. What I don't want in, in the biggest gripe that I have that needs to go away is the 30 minute gap that we're missing in the middle of rounds while they switch networks is well, this ridiculous at this point. If I have to wait for an ice cube, big three, three on three basketball game to finish one more time while the leaders are on the <laughs> back fucking nine at Torrey Pines, like that part is outrageous. They need to get that right. Uh, but yeah, I think what's going to get better. I, I, my expectations are as always very low. What about their, um, their promise or like, they kind of are hinting at incorporating more gambling into the broadcast. Um, do you think this will be a hit or a miss? Yeah. Look, I don't really think we're at the point where we really need gambling incorporated into the ESPN plus and the golf channel live coverage. Yeah. The personnel that they have with a few exceptions is kind of stuck in a place where they want them to push this sort of gambling stuff. But Here's where they're at. It's like they're they're trying to teach another language to two-thirds of their audience who doesn't care. It's like someone trying to teach Spanish to our children who are preschoolers, right? right. They're not going to learn it, and they don't care. So two-thirds of their audience doesn't care about gambling at all. Right. The other third is so fluent in right. the language they that they realize that the person teaching them the class is full of shit. Yes, they don't know what they're saying. Um, so about. I don't need either of it. I know my bets. I have a phone. I have an app. I have research sites that I can find all the information and options that I need. I don't need Craig Perks <laughs> telling me that Justin Thomas at minus 175 in a three ball is a great bet today. Um they can no. just do away with it. Like it's great that they're trying to address it, but um, I don't really need it. Right. All right. So we can't do a season preview show. That's what you're watching right now. And if you haven't already retweet this, like this subscribe and do all the things that make us keep going because we're doing this 
pretty much out of the goodness of our hearts. I've had to force my wife to let me to come down to this basement where the laundry I've had to pause in order to not have it pick up on the mic. And Joe has had to told, tell his wife things. We've got Josh behind the scenes taking his time out of his day to do things. Hey, and also, hey, shh, we're trying to get this thing like sponsored. So like the more things, I mean, everyone says that, but it's true. Like click things and then people will reach out to us and be like, hey, we'll give you money to keep going. And then it's like, holy cow, because you liked for free someone giving us not a lot of money, but enough to pay for all this and keep going. So anyway, the majors, we have to talk about the majors. This is the fourth topic of the evening. Yeah. We're going to talk about, of course, the Masters. That is in April and that's at Augusta. And then you have the PGA Championship. That's in mid-May at Southern Hills Country Club in Tulsa, Oklahoma. You have the U.S. Open in mid-June at the Country Club in Brookline, Massachusetts. The Open Championship. Then again, mid-July at St. Andrews. Wow. Uh, you had a tweet today with some emojis. That was kind of cool. Explain your emojis uh, and your uh, how they incorporate into your bets. Sure. Uh, so I love futures. You know that. Like this is going to be my favorite topic of the show. I hope that this doesn't run on too long and destroy our timeline on the new network here. But uh, <laughs> let's talk about majors. So my emojis. If you go back to the tweet, first of all, if you want in depth like previews of these courses. Our guy, Andy Lack, does a fantastic like two-episode course preview. He goes in-depth. He knows everything. I know nothing. I tried to simplify things and looking for a future into one sort of key trait that I'm looking for. Masters, maturity, PGA, precision, U.S. Open, magic, open championship. I want roasters. I want guys who fucking rip it. Um, and that's what I'm going with. So those are the, those are sort of the four categories that, that I looked for when trying to find a future. You can't factor in too much. So I figured keep it pretty simple. All right. Uh, did you make any, you place some wagers? Yeah. Why does it, why does in our producer Jish Swish pull up the, I don't know if he, he'll remember how to do it. We'll have to test his, uh, his abilities as the producer. This is his first opportunity. Oh my gosh. Oh, look at oh, that. Yeah. Okay, so he's got odds checker up. We're going to look at the majors. We're going to start at the Masters, I assume. Hey, this is the Masters? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so the tab up there says the Masters. This is on YouTube. If you're watching on uh, or you're listening on iTunes, I'm sorry. I can't really. I'll do my best. Rom is the betting favorite at the Masters across the board, it looks like. Most places, yes, 10 to 1. You got yeah. Jordan Spieth, of course, because he's, I don't know, the best at Augusta ever of all time, besides Tiger. And then you have Colin Morikawa. Wow, at 14, 12 to 1. Holy shit, that makes my 30 and 25 that I got a while ago look really nice. DJ's there. JT, Rory, Bryson, they're all under 20. My God. Yeah. And Xander's under 20. You got Brooks there at 20. Or no, yeah, Xander 20, 20, 20, 18 some places. I mean, this is a convenient little website. Do you write articles for Odds Checker, Joe? I do. I do a DFS piece for Odds Checker. Way to tee me up there, buddy. That's where I missed you. Um, but yeah, look, when I like when I'm looking at futures, those guys in the twenty to ones just don't make a ton of sense for me to take and tie up my money for five months. Like, are they going to move? If you get someone at twenty five to one and they move to twenty two, is three points worth tying up funds for for six months? I don't know. Um, sure. the, the, I'll start here. The guy that I took at every major, except for the Open Championship, the British Open, because I didn't see it available, um, that I will feel pretty strongly about is Matt Wolf. 
We love Wolfie. He is like 125 to one, 80 to one, 100 to one at like beautiful numbers. Other majors. Um, I feel like it's a great upside and buy low spot on a guy of his caliber. He was the best scoring average on the PGA Tour in the fall. Um, And what we've learned about Wolf, right, which is important to note here when taking a future on a guy, is that sports books are quick. The spectrum on Wolf is vast. So if he plays well, they will drop his ass to 30 to 1 in a heartbeat. If he doesn't play well, they'll jump him back up to 100. Mm -hmm. Like he moves and slides very fluidly. Um, And I feel like you're getting good numbers on him now. Going back to the Masters, I'll touch on it real quick. Maturity, the two guys that I took. Adam Scott is 80 to one. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like he has the ability and he still hits it long enough and he strikes the ball well enough to compete there. Previous champion. He's got experience, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Bubba Watson's the other sort of interesting one. I got 125 to one on Bubba Um, fifth and a 12th in two of the last three years where he hasn't really played well. I feel like a resurgence is probably there. He's got the lefty. He's got the magic. He's got a couple of green jackets to sort of hang his hat on. New caddy, maybe a little bit reinvigorated. I think that that could be a potentially uh, decent number come April on Bubba if he plays well out there in Cali. Got you. Okay, makes sense. I got an Adam Scott future on the Masters. I wanted to ask you about Brooks Kepka because that seems like the most wise bet at this point. I mean, like a 20 to 1. That could be someone that launches at 12. <clears throat> Yeah, I nope. just don't like. I don't love the Masters for him. Okay, I think he's going to win the Open Championship by a lot. Oh, okay. So well, I go think to, click over to the Open, then see where he's at in the Open there. Jish, yeah, he's like second on the board. They know it. He's like fourteen to one or something like that. So I'm not going to take that. Oh. But I think that he wins. Look, St. why do you Andrews, think he wins at St Andrews? Okay, he can just absolutely bomb and rip it away there and try and get up and down. I think there could be anywhere from three to six drivable par fours. They're going to fucking tear St. Andrews up. And that isn't like a knock on it necessarily. It's a great course. I don't, let me start here. I don't think they should change it, but they've added roughly like 350 yards to this thing since the 1800s. Like old Tom Morris was playing with like five (laughs) clubs and a fucking golf ball made out of sap at this course. It's basically the same thing. Like he's going to be able to just pound driver up around the green. I feel like he gets up and down as well as anybody. He's mentioned before his affinity for St. Andrews is one of his favorite golf courses in the world when he played over there in Europe. Um, I think that he wins over there. Uh, what about this PGA Championship that everyone's betting on Victor Hovland because it's in Oklahoma? Why wouldn't Victor Hovland win? Yeah, you know that's going to be the narrative. And I'm well, Hovland's twenty-one, twenty one hundred and twenty-five to one, and they both went to school at Oklahoma State. I'll take the one twenty-five. Who would you say? Wolf was one twenty-five to one. I don't know if that's still out there, but I would rather. I mean, look, I like Hovland twenty to one. I like Cantlay twenty-six to one ish there. But are those numbers going to move that much when we get to May? Like, I doubt it. What's he okay. going to go down to maybe 16? You lose a couple points. Right. Um, look, this event is about precision. I think the cream rises to the top at the PGA Championship this year. I think that it's, of all four events, going to bring out the highest caliber player. What okay. I did was I looked at the top 20 players in the world, and I said, I don't think anyone outside of this is going to win the PGA Championship this year. I'm going to focus on top 20 players in the world and see who has the best odds. And there's one guy that's 90 to 1 that's a top 20 player in the world. Any guesses? 
like Sam Burns or somebody? Close. Kokrak. Oh, sure. I Kokrak's right player in the world. world. Harris English is like 65 to 1, and everyone else in the top 20 is like 40 to 1 or lower. So it just felt like a decent number at 90 to 1 on Kokrak. Hmm. Uh, Precision is okay. kind of the name of his game. So that's who I went with. Now, will Cantley get one? Will Xander get one? Can you argue that Paul Casey, uh, I mean, is he the best ever that's not got a major win? We got, you know, Kucher or something. Who I else think it would be Casey or Westwood is what I thought. Okay. But, I mean, are they going to have a chance? No. Right? I, I think Casey could maybe have a chance at Augusta. Look, we've seen maturity. We've seen him play well there before. I think that if Sergio can do it late in his career, maybe Paul Casey can do it late in his career. I wouldn't necessarily put that past him. Well, should we fire up Louie at St. Andrews? Because didn't he win there, right? I don't know what his odds are. I don't love it. I actually did take a Louie at the Masters at 80 to 1 that I got back in July. It's my oldest future. But look, I just feel like he's going to, um, I don't know. It, it's tough to pick. There's so many good players. Like it's tough to say Xander is going to win a major this year. Rom's going to win a major. Even Morikawa. Like Morikawa doesn't win a major. Is it a disappointing year for him? Probably Maybe. based on what he is. Um, you know, the one that we didn't talk about is the U.S. Open. I'm looking for someone who's got like the magic bean, so to speak. Speeth is there. Reed is there. I went a little bit lower on a guy that I feel like can showcase magic and get an incredibly hot putter. He can pull a rabbit out of a hat around the greens. Uh, Cameron Smith is 50 to one. I know that there it's incredibly tight property with little tiny greens. Difficult. Um, I just feel like that sets up well for him. Like I mentioned, I'm kind of looking at guys further down because I just don't feel like it makes a ton of sense right now to take Spieth 20 to one. Like where's that going to, uh, you know, where's that going to benefit me six months from now on Father's right. Day? No, that's true. All right. What about the best non-majors? I mean, we've talked about the majors and we got through okay. four topics. The fifth topic I had on the board is the non-majors. I think the Genesis at Riviera is up there is one of the best ones. I do actually like the players. I like the consistency. And now that they've got cameras everywhere, it kind of did feel like Augusta. And they're elevating that shit hard. Um, are yeah. you a match play guy? Um, I don't mind the match play. It's not my favorite. Uh, yeah. I think the players is up there just because of, the, you know, it kind of holds the number five on the list in terms of prestige. Sure. I like the ways – look, I like courses that have – a really fun, volatile, exciting, like finishing couple holes. Yeah. Waste management comes to mind. The, the 18th at Torrey is a great hole. Um, the FedEx St. Jude has a great closing stretch. Even like even the 3M. Yeah, come on. The TBC uh, Twin The 18th at the 3M yeah. is fucking electric. I love that hole. Um, and I have a certain affinity uh, for the old Wyndham Championship as well. That's one of my favorite nod majors. Well, I wonder why, Joe. Great luck there. But I'll tell you what's my least favorite nod major of the year, and it is by a wide margin. It's the same every year. The Tour Championship at East Lake is terrible. <laughs> because of the scoring. Um, it sucks. It always has. It's the worst culmination event to any professional sports season that there is. Uh, I hate it. Well, we don't need to go down that rabbit hole, but we did want to talk about the worst events because the worst events to me are those birdie fest events that literally Brian Gay can win or Rom can win 
because it's like it really doesn't matter as who gets the luckiest. So should we start mm. skipping those? Like, good luck this week. We're just out of it. We don't know as anything about these, you know, because anyone can win those weeks. Yeah, that's long shot season. All right, now topic number six. Okay, the PGA Tour has some drama. You've got Brooks versus Bryson. Hmm. Uh, you got Patrick Reed versus everybody versus Twitter, or is you know about that? Use golf facts Twitter account. His wife or father-in-law or whoever runs that account, Patrick Reed, is pretty well known on Twitter for having this burner, or his team does. Are you into that? Do you like that drama? Are you into the drama, Joe? Uh, yeah, I like a little drama. I'm, I'm huge on it. I enjoy it. Anything that sort of heightens the competitiveness yeah. of golf, yeah. I'm all for. I like good guys versus bad guys like anyone else. I'm a fan either way. But if this kind of little stuff makes the sport more compelling and watchable for others, then great. Like the PIP, that performance bonus they got for having tweets about them or you know they've got this 40 million dollar pot of money do you does this interest is this kind of fake do you feel because we're getting jim herman a tweet about stuff and i'm like well yawn you know it's it's a little boring to me yeah it's pretty manufactured we'll see how things kind of shake out i don't think that they're supposedly not going to release how it is ended up being paid out and who wins. But I would love to just know what the criteria is exactly. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think if it, it, if it encourages players in golf who have historically been very closed door uh, in terms of reaching their personality and what goes on in their life. And it, if it makes that aspect come out a little bit more uh, then great. Right. Everyone can be Ricky Fowler now. Yeah. Cool. Uh, the topic number seven I have, we're closing in on a half an hour of uh, this broadcast. We're going to do some PGA DFS in a second. We're going to bring on Eric Quagnus Martins. We're going to talk some strategy. But before we get to that, let's talk. We got three topics left. The new DP World Tour. Are you a big Euro Tour guy? What's up with this? Do you know anything about it? I mean, should we just go uh, ask Sky and whoever else does that? Yeah, I should really dig into more. I'm excited. It seems like some sort of crossover here. I think it could benefit. Like, if you understand it a little bit more than I do currently, it could benefit you in things like one-and-done strategy for the year. Like, understand what is it going to cause more players to play more tournaments over there, cause more players to come over. Um, It's clearly an attempt to create a wall and a defense for the PGL and other ideas of people like it. Um, dude, yeah, Evan, I don't know about Saudi you. either. Like, I don't okay. get into, I can't really speak to it. I don't yeah, really. So understand. Evan, we're we're in the chat here. Evan's a guy that we've had in the chat before. He brought up the point about the Saudi. If this is for the yeah. iTunes people who don't have the ability to watch live on YouTube, now have you have we thought about it? No, I you know you have to play Pebble Beach two out of the next three years in order to be able to play in the Saudi and like how what the hell is this kind of a ass backwards handshake for in the back alley like dapping for you know yeah i don't, I don't think know about real. that i just i don't look i don't really know the 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 politics side of like why saudi is like terrible i mean i understand some of it but i don't really want to get into it yeah, um, right. i can understand players wanting to go there for the appearance fee i get that whole part of it i know 
Horschel made the comments that he essentially wants like the top players should basically get a fee for showing up. Um, I don't necessarily agree there either. I think Billy's made like 28 million in career earnings. So I'm, I don't feel bad for him if he misses a couple cuts and has to shell out for his caddies room service tab and didn't make any money that week. I, I don't, I, it's hard for me to, to feel bad for guys who are trying to, who've made that much and want to limit the potential of young and up and coming other people to get into it. It, it, it doesn't make sense. Right. It's easy for Billy to say, well, he's at the top. All right. Topic number eight. This is a betting podcast that can be found. Well, it says every Monday. Well, we switched it to Tuesdays because it's a little bit easier to do Tuesdays. Uh, we get a little more knowledge of what's going on. Uh, a little bit more chance for us to figure out what we wanted to actually tell you. So we're doing Tuesday nights and this will be uh, around eight, nine Eastern, whatever. Topic number eight, betting on the PGA tour. What's the best use of money, Joe? Are you a guy that cares about his bankroll? Do you do that more like far? Like, you know, you know what you're supposed to do, but you do what you want. Or are you like super rigid? You do the spreadsheet, you pull it out. You say units on this guy, units on that guy and total units for the week. And then I'm done. Or how do you bet on golf? What's the best way to bet on golf? I think I'm always evolving that. I think there's a lot of different ways to, what do they say, skin a cat here. Look, I think that the, an important thing to do that I would say is is very helpful, will be for you, is to create like a long, year-long, season-long goal for yourself in terms of what I want to end this season for. I do this every year. It helps me. I basically want to cover my golf membership and make sure that I can play golf for free for the year based on picking PGA tour picks. If you can do that, that will help you to maintain level and balanced approach throughout the season and sort of stick through the ups and downs. I've been betting golf for 16, 17, 18 years now, the last seven, eight, I bet every tournament. Um, So I feel like my success, what I found depends primarily on hitting or missing outright. So I, if you notice sort of my cards toward the end of the year, no one probably did, but I stopped betting as many top 10 and top 20 in matchups and just focused on hitting winners. And how many, how many outrights do you pick a week then? Five, six, seven. It depends on how much I reach. I I stagger my bets a little bit. So I bet more on a guy. If I'm taking him 12 to one, then I'll bet on a hundred to one. But I think it's important to bet those long shots. I know I get, the knock on it from a lot of people who ripped me for taking 125 and 150 to one bets, but you hit one of those, two of those a year that covers 12, 13 events worth of losers. Like if you can mix a couple of those in a season and I had three of them last year, over a hundred to one, your 25 and 30 to ones that you hit in between, like that's how you're going to make money doing it. Um, like I said, I don't really do the top 10, top 20s anymore. I don't do first round leaders. It's just not something that that I typically bet. Um, I feel like it's one of those things you either always do it or you don't. Right. So I'm going to stick to the strategy that worked for me in the fall and focus the majority of my time, my attention and my money into betting outrights. Now, I will mention also, I love those long shots because they're sometimes in the top five on a Sunday afternoon and you can just use them. You know they're not going to win. They've putted their ass off for the first three days. They're going to fail miserably. But you feel secure having that locked up so that you can take half of that money, 
you know, or whatever in your mind. And you can say, I'm going to shuffle it over to this guy who's going to win the tournament. And then I'm going to break even and I'm going to play, live to see another day, play again next week. And sometimes those long shots help you get to that point. It's a slippery slope, but it's fun to sometimes you got to keep an eye on what's going on Sunday. And um, on these birdie fests, sometimes you need to wait at certain points and need to know that. This guy does have a three-stroke lead, but everybody's going to have nine birdies today. Three strokes is going to be tough for this guy to maintain. So you got to keep this stuff in mind. And if that does entice you to then go down the board a little bit, knowing, hey, this guy can have an 800 round, 700 round, and this could be 20, 30 to 1 on a Sunday morning, that's what you should do. You should kind of focus on a little bit of the hedge, too, with those long shots. That's what I do. Yeah, I don't, I don't subscribe as much to the hedging theory. I know that you like to do it. Look, I – Unless you have it surrounded, I don't always think it's a it's a True. great decision to do. Um, I'll tell you what, examples what, of how it didn't work. What you will, what I will say that you said that makes a lot of sense there is taking a guy going into Sunday with a three stroke lead that is even odds, and you have this like say you have the guy that's in second place and it's three strokes back, and you have a great bet on him. And Sam Burns has a three stroke lead going into Sunday, and you're like even money on Sam Burns. Let me put a hundred bucks on him because that way, if my hundred to one guy doesn't win, Sam Burns, that never works out. Right. Like a guy, I don't care how big the lead is. Like, don't bet, do not bet a guy at even or minus odds to win a tournament heading into Sunday morning. Like, I I've just been down the road and you've seen it too enough times. Like holding that lead against 10, 15 players when you're the one that that kind of has to play conservative. Almost never pans out. Speaking of Sam Burns, topic number nine. Who will be this year's Sam Burns? Who was 154th in the OWGR one year ago today? And guess who's 154th right now? It's Adam Shank. Could Adam Shank find his way into the top 10 in the world by this time next year? I don't know if it's Adam Shank, but... There's some young guns that could make a move. I got Maverick McNeely. He moved from 166th up to 69th. Could he go from 69th to the top 10? Who's your guy? I look, if I'm look, I looked at a couple because I saw this on the topics like way down there. Um, Taylor Pendrith, 225th, the Canadian. I think that him and and maybe like Adam Svensson off the Corn Ferry Tour could potentially make moves this year i know Mito's going to get a lot of the pub but they were up there in terms of the top corner ferry tour players i have and i like sahith thagala a lot um i feel like he has sort of the physical attributes of a guy like burns and again and and guys that i look for in terms of a powerful um succinct swing i think we could also see a resurgence from some guys that have you know, meandered way down the OW Bubba. Like I mentioned, Bubba, he's in like 85th in terms of the OWGR. He was still seventh on tour last year in terms of driving distance. He's hitting it far enough. He's in his 40s. He's hitting it as far as any of these guys. It's just a matter of, of Kenny Putwell and is he focused? Dude, focus um, is huge, Rubo. Yes, focus is huge. Um, you know, those are just a or couple Jason of Day. He's 110th in the world right now or something. Yep, Adam Scott, too, is, has drifted down quite a bit as well. Okay, cool. Um, I know you do – like the other names I had on this list, uh, Rasmus Hojgaard or whatever, uh, Hojgaard, 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 that's a guy that's won on Euro Tour, and he's gotten pretty good on Corn Ferry Tour before, I think. I love – I like uh, Robert McIntyre a ton. Okay. 
Um, I think that he's going to have a great year. I think that the whole DP World Tour crossover thing gets him into potentially a couple of more events. Love his short game. Love his putting ability. He's a guy I like. All right, you got also Austin Ekro, Davis Thompson, Brandon Wu. These are names. I want to write. I want to say them now so that when I watch this back next year, I'm gonna be like, I thought I could that. Yeah, no, Brandon Wu. All right. So topic number ten is the uh, PGA Tour Player of the Year. Who do you think will be this year's main man, Joe? Who's gonna be? Is it gonna be Rom again? No. Um, I want. I feel like the easy thing to do is to say uh, Colin. Or maybe Rory. I'm going to say Vic. I'm going to say Vic. I I said it toward the end of last season. I think that he's the best driver on the planet right now. I think the confidence is at an all-time high. I think that his sole purpose and focus in life right now is becoming the best player in the world and that he can be. And the trajectory is there and the confidence is there. And I think he's going to have a big season with potentially a major championship in there. I like that. Okay. You want to hear my name? Yeah. Bryson DeChambeau. Oh, man. Could you not? I mean, come on. I disagree. So much harder than everybody else. He has the ability to, he goes on these mini runs of just looking like he has solved golf. What if he did that for an extended period of time finally? And then maybe he can mature at some point. I don't think he wants to for an extended period of time. I don't think he wants to. No, be no, consistent. he hasn't. I, I think this this is true. He hasn't wanted to because he wants to break it down and build it up again. Break it down, build it up again, break it down. One point, he's going to be done breaking it down and building it up. And he's going to be like, watch me be Tiger for a whole straight 18 months. And it, I think his focus is in the wrong area right now. He's still, he's the longest guy on tour, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. Number sure, one sure. in driving distance last year. He's still trying to hit it further. His practice <laughs> intentions... And what he's trying to get better at is still hitting it further. True. Like he, he's putting all his focus in the wrong. Look, he's not consistent enough to do it. But to your point, uh, to be player of the year, if you get three wins, you might get there. Um, I, to me, he's a cleanup hitter. He's as likely to hit one 400 feet and win as he is to strike out. Quagnus, settle the debate. Up, Eric? Gonna, who is your player of the year in 2022, Eric Quagnus Martins? Guy, I love hearing you guys just argue this shit out. I know it's fun. We're back. We're back. <laughs> but for real, do you like? Do you think it'll be Morikawa? Will Rom stay on top? Will DJ get it back? Will Rory finally get become Rory again? No, I think I think it's it's a pretty obvious. It's Colin Morikawa. He's just going to be the man. He's right? the next Tiger. You have said that to me. You text it to me. You say it. You text. You say it constantly. And then here he comes out saying Bryson <laughs> just to just to be a. Just to be a no, but I think Bryson has the ability to kind of like put it all together and just be the guy for this 2022. Whereas Colin kind of was like a little bit, he I don't want to just sell or you know, buy Colin where he's at the top. Like, this isn't one of those, like, I don't want to buy, I want to buy the dip a little bit of Bryson. So, that's <laughs> why I said that. Um, <laughs> we're now moving towards the next show here, Joe. Uh, that's Whoa. the preferred lines. It's been a good show. We've went a little bit long now. We brought in Eric. Now, this is the fantasy golf side of things, the uh, DFS side of things. Joe Idoni, you know, there's only so many people that I know who have cashed six figures playing draft kings. So, the people that I know 
uh, I can count on one hand. One of them's right in front of me. How did you do it? Tell us how you won playing DraftKings because we need this. We need Joe I, the DFS expert. I got lucky. I'd love to tell you I know more than you guys, but I don't. Um, and I got lucky. And no, explain I... it though. for real. Explain it. Like you put six guys together. To explain that. Like you didn't go okay, to so... a website and pay someone for advice. You didn't decide I want to look at a specific stat that week. You didn't look at ownership at all. No, I, I try to find guys to make the cut. And I do the piece with odds checker. And I don't know what my record is right now, but I'll tout myself a little bit because my made cut ratio is, is pretty wild. It's like upwards of 90% and I'm taking one guy in every range. It's, it's all about uh, finding guys that make the cut. And I don't really cons- – like a lot of people, I feel like overthink DraftKings. I feel like a lot of people will try to put in too many lineups – uh, and I only do oh. two max three in a contest, and I don't really worry about ownership. Um, so I feel like I can get unique enough. I was in a contest with 119,000 entries or something crazy like that, and I played the two chalkiest guys in my lineup, and nobody duped me. So therefore, I for life will not believe yeah, in pivoting on ownership on a guy that you believe is going to do well. The guy was Webb Simpson at the Wyndham. Everyone was like, "Oh my God, Webb's going to be thirty-four percent." I can't yeah, play Webb. Webb is the Wyndham. <laughs> uh, you just play him, and you know that he's going to finish in the top five, and you try to find someone elsewhere. So. Uh, I'd look to say that it was anything but like 98% luck would be foolish of me. Uh, but yeah, I, I, that's sort of my strategy. I try to find guys that I think have a good probability of making the cut. And then I go from there. Cool. The thing we have discovered is that it is a lot to do with luck. It's a little bit of roulette and that nobody knows anything. So don't trust anybody and just use your, you watch golf. You're watching this. You clearly know enough to know, to watch this. For the, you're not looking for real advice, so you know that you're not going to get it from anybody. Uh, no one's going to have the answers for you. Fantasy National definitely def it helps. Like it, it keeps me organized. I like yes. to star people and like that, like organization. But Fantasy National has never given me a single advice. Like it doesn't have an article. It doesn't do anything. It just gives you stats. Where honestly, you don't even need to pay for this stuff. You just go to pgatour.com. We're going to talk about this stuff, Joe. See you next week. We've got the kickoff to the season, the real thing. Tour of Champions or Tournament of Champions with a real sponsor. So stay tuned for that. Tune in for that next Tuesday night at about this time. Listen, I'm going to step away. Eric, good to see you, buddy. Chad, too long. Great Mm -hmm. to see you as well. Good luck talking strategy, fellas. Uh, Follow us on Twitter. Thanks for tuning in, anyone who uh, checked us out earlier. Peace. Cheers, Joe. See ya. All right. Cheers, boys. All right. So, Eric, I'm going to go grab a beer and you're going to talk about how you've how you've won at PGA DFS. And maybe you can bring in just just wish who is the uh, producer of the show. I just need to take two seconds, run up to the fridge because I'm out of this beer. Go get more beer. You know, we've we've won. I've won. You have you won? How did you win? It's I've profited. Yeah. So I was looking at this and. Whether or not this gives us clout or, or not, uh, <clears throat> I, I, I was three points away from fifteen hundred dollars, and instead I got four hundred dollars off of a one dollar entry. So it was great. That was at the win. Uh, 
that was the Wyndham Championship for him. But uh, it was at the RBC Heritage where Stuart Sink won and had one of my guys just made a birdie instead of a par. Do you remember this? Oh, are you talking about Siwoo Kim? Siwoo, well, it could have been any of the six guys in that lineup. But Siwoo Kim prevented you from the... That was that was a fun drama, but that's mega point. profit. Yeah, it was. It was a, but it was a mega profit. I won four hundred bucks. <laughs> I won more than four hundred bucks. I won like four hundred fifty bucks. I've been riding that money since that was in April. Oh, it's so know. great! Right? Yeah, I'm riding Cam Champ money. I'm riding more cow money. I cash more cow money, and I bought some carpet for upstairs. Hey, Eric! Oh my gosh! I gotta crack it with it. I brought cheers to the fantasy golf pod. We're back. Mm. It's hot here in the basement. A year ago, I was in the garage. You know, it's freezing cold, and now it's hot. Okay, so here we go. We got a strategy pod to talk about. I've been doing this DFS stuff for, dude. DraftKings wasn't even a company when I was doing PGA DFS. I was tweeting at Draft Street saying, "Hey, please add PGA. Would you please to Draft Street?" Okay, so we've been playing this stuff, you know, for the since the beginning of time, and. I will tell you, it is not like NFL. It is not like NBA. The PGA DFS, it is 100% luck and roulette. Like, if you don't believe that, I'm going to tell you right now, I've, exp- I've, it is. It's like, I can't tell you more than that. So don't put a lot of money into this stuff. Am I wrong? Josh can come up and talk about that. You can talk about that roulette more than anything, especially in the short game. Well, yeah, let's expand on that a little bit because we both decided that the short game, too many players, too many entries. Yeah. We got to talk about conscious selection. We got to talk about all those things. The first thing I want to talk about, though, is should you pay for advice? We've already quickly glossed this over, but there's sites out there, Eric. They have generators. They have optimizers. They have things that can help you. Now, a site like FansharesSports.com where you can go. And you can use, and you can get a subscription for 20% off using the promo code FANTASYGOLFPOD. That site doesn't, they have articles, they have advice. But it's mostly you just play around. Just like Fantasy National, you play around. And that's different than a Osimo or a place like, I don't know, they have more on like the NFL and stuff like that. I don't know. I don't even seek these out. I don't know, Gup Corner or whatever. I don't seek these things out because I don't need these things. Because ultimately, all it's going to do is make me tilt. Reading that advice, taking that advice from somebody else, and then using that advice, and then being wrong about their advice when I could have just been wrong about my advice, or I would have had better answers with my own picks than what they gave us. So we know right now that you just don't need to use these websites other than if you are going to make 150 lineups, which why would you do that? I don't know. You could if you wanted to using one of those websites. FanshareSports.com has that for you. Again, do you need it? No, I don't think you need it. What's the most important factor, Eric, in winning DFS in PGA? What do you think is the most important factor? One, luck. And 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 Joe said it. He said it. What did he say? He said it was luck. He got lucky. But he got lucky by getting six to six. That's the first and foremost thing you want to do is you want to get cut makers. So that's what he said. He focused on the guys that were going to make the cut because then obviously they're going to score more and they're going to have a chance to get lucky on the weekend. But if they're not even on the weekend, they can't even get lucky. So you got to get through six to six. But no, nothing is important more than 
where you stick that lineup. The contest you select is probably the most important factor. The short game, these contests, Millie Maker, they're roulette. They're literally roulette. So contest selection is where you're going to make and break whether you're going to make money. Uh, any contest is roulette. Sure, we know that. Okay. I'm trying to focus like on these shorter or these littler contests. Um, all I hear, again, I'm 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 kind of taking from the NFL DFS industry and trying to apply it to the PGA industry. Some of the things do not apply whatsoever, which is that strokes gained stats are going to lead to answers. There are going to be answers like that establish the run can give you based on their research and knowledge of the matchups. They can straight up give you answers and be like, this is a good play, period. That cannot, that literally cannot happen in PGA. What can you take, though, is you can take that when Adam Levitan says to you, I'm only into these contests that have 100 or less people. I'm into these contests that have the ability to triple up, the ability to, uh, you know, just, I mean, he he's into the right contests and he's not in these lottos like the short game. The short game has served its purpose for us. It has been super entertaining. The the uh, jukebox quarter arcade was we we had fun. We got lucky in that one. So like these have been. There's something to be said about doing those. Like you can have fun. I mean, we want to have fun, or else you're going to quit doing this. Because if it's not fun, you're going to end up deciding I don't want to play this. So all I'm saying is that when you play in the contests that have twenty or more lineups, or they're in these giant 10,000 entry contests, you're, you're just, you're just, I mean, you're roulette. I mean, like, well, that's the best expl- explanation. You put your chips on a certain guy. Everybody's putting chips on guys. That thing spins. Do you win or not? Do you think you go to the casino, Eric, and you like, look at the roulette table and you look at the guy that's on the route table and you look at the board that says, Oh, these numbers have gone. And then you think you have a strategy and you know it. Yeah, you do. You think you do. But that wheel has it's a 50-50 or whatever. So it's like it's not going to come up any different because of the past or the future or whatever. Like there's no strategy involved, like literally. So this is how kind of PGA is. Remember, well, am I rambling? I'm a little no, tipsy. Yeah, you're rambling and it's fine. It's good. It's all good stuff. Let me let me let me try and pack it all together here right now. Okay. So we used to think that this is why we did the short game. This is why we did the quarter arcade. We did 20 entries max because we were like, oh, it's a fair playing field. We get to make 20 entries each. We went from the quarter arcade, and then we went to the, uh, short, uh, the short game. Now here we're starting to realize having 20 or one entry doesn't even fucking matter. People are winning in 150,000 entry lineups, and they're putting one in. In NFL, let alone golf. Okay, so I think I think that what we're learning, I think that what we're learning over the course of the years is that I, I'm 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 going to be more than happy now to maybe throw one lineup in the three dollar, which I was hesitant to do because I'm at a disadvantage because I didn't put in twenty entries, or God forbid, I might put in one for the five dollar. That's one hundred fifty max, dude. Go follow go follow these guys on Twitter that analyze who one hundred fifty max these, and they're all losing. They're all losing or like one of them's like kind of cashing. And then there's that like single bullet that fucked them all over. It's fucking hilarious. It's, it's, it's fantastic. So yeah. The more, the more I've thought about it, Eric, is that I actually am at, like I'm at an advantage 
in certain contests because of my knowledge and because I study and watch and do more than others involving golf. And like, I know more about the golfers. So I'm at an advantage in certain contests. My, my knowledge is, is nullified in these 20 max entry contests, this short game, my knowledge means nothing in those contests. So then that's why I think you like, we got to seek out these triple ups. We got to find these contests that have a hundred or less fewer uh, entries so that we're, we're trying to actually maximize our ability to take advantage of what we know compared to the people we're playing against, because that's, that's the name of the game in DFS. And if we're going like, to run and chase our tail in these are short game contests, what are we doing here? So that's what I'm going to seek out 2022. Try to experiment with different types of contests, daily fantasy sports. It changes strategy changes almost weekly daily like it literally changes fast so you have to adapt and you can't get rigid and we have and we have to have these real conversations with each other like we want to do this content and have it packaged nice and pretty with these tallies of 20 contests and like that was kind of nice too <laughs> but I'm, lo- I'm that's a losing that's negative ev and like the people that actually play pga dfs that are following us are like these fucking people are dumb like <laughs> like how dumb are they so I'm trying to be less dumb. Now, the most important is to find this, the right contest, but it's also a big factor of how to put together a good lineup, right? We want to do what Joe said, maximize our ability to get the guys through the cut, to get to the six of six. Because if you get six of six, then you truly have a chance. If you don't have six of six, you probably have no chance of even like top 100. So, but that's, that's in those GPPs. Now, I think you, we go with our new strategy. We could maybe even cash sometimes with our five of six in these things. I don't know, depending on who you have in your five of six, but leaning more towards a balanced build. Isn't that more obvious? Going to make more six, six lineups. If you have a balanced build, pepper, the eight K range, are we being stupid for trying to jam in this 10 K guy that we think we know more about than other people? Oh, this guy's going to be good because he's 10 K. Obviously, it's going to be good. And then what you do is then you fucking have to go with that 6K flyer that makes that's super risky. So what are we doing here? Are we stupid? Should we pepper pep, pep, the 8K range? Or now, is it about the tournament that they're playing that week? Yeah, I think we know. I think we know of a variety of factors that are going to go into each week. And that balance build can be good sometimes, but... I mean, if Colin Maricar is going to win, you're going to probably want him, and he's always going to be 10K plus this year. I just – there's never going to be a situation where he's not, unless we see some sort of tanking. But it's – so it's – we're going we're gonna to have to analyze as we go along. But, yeah, you know, sometimes there's an occasional, like, low 7K guy that's like, wow, how is he not going to be good? And it's a tremendous value despite – you know, so you just have to you don't click on somebody like fucking Kyle Stanley like I was doing. I was looking back. I was looking back. I had I had this I had like multiple lineups that were the same except for one had Kyle Stanley. And okay. of course he missed the cut. And so that like he would have been up there with that like same lineup that almost that, why did I click Kyle Stanley? Don't do that. Don't do what I just did. Like that's your, that's what we're saying here. And I was like, don't click bad names and hope that they're gonna be good. Because they're probably not going to be unless you play them every single week and are willing to lose all the money on them, right? So, we talked so, about that. 
when it comes to these birdie fests where it's going to be 27 under and everybody knows that we should just not play DraftKings those weeks, right? Yeah. Like yeah, literally just, you play one lineup play. For fun. just one lineup for fun. Like, or don't play at all. I mean, right. because that's, uh, that's, we're taking what is almost impossible to pick and predict. And then we're just like saying like, ha ha, we're adding a, an element of in, more impossibility to it. Like it's squared. So the birdie fests, that's when you just, so then you just laugh. You make a lineup that you're laughing at in the birdie fests because they have just as much of a chance, honestly. So don't play birdie fests. Now, how else can we make less risky lineups? Are there certain ways to do that? Are your APPRs of the world, are you always playing Patrick Reed because the dude grinds these cuts out? He is always not in contention. He's not going to give up. Do we have to lean more towards that? Do we have to, Eric, look at what DraftKings is going to give us in terms of points, eagles, birdies, doing streaks, and we need to know there are certain golfers that are more prone to going after pins. There's more golfers that are going to eagle par fives more likely than other golfers. Are, why would you ever take a Chez in a bomber, you know, narrative five par five area? You know, like, are we going to try? Should we lean towards the Matt Wolfs of the world in these areas where we can get eagles? Is that a way to limit our risk a little bit? It's been argued for the last for years about about take your birdie or better guys and then you you know you roll the stats out and you find out wow these guys are good at birdie or betters but in the end no i i think nothing matters i don't think anything matters i think we gotta you gotta yeah look at the stats a little bit but pick pick out the names that you like in the end i I, i'm not gonna be doing i haven't been doing that for a while and i've had some sweats and I'd love to hear from the other people. I mean, nobody that we know that's had mega profits looked at the stats, or maybe they did slightly or whatever. So, well, I was going to ask you though. It's like, do why do people roster bad putters? That's like a thing people do, <laughs> right? I've learned. I've seen that for years. Yeah, like wh- I do agree with that. Why are we doing that? Aren't we supposed to go after like the winners on tour are the ones that putt well that week? Now, are we doing that because we're hoping that they're able to find the putter that one time? Like that's what the thought process is, is that this dude's hitting his irons well because he can use stats to help you. That's what stats can do is you can look at the putter and you can look at the approach and you can decide this guy's had good irons that may maintain. And and then you can look at this guy's had a really good putting stretch. I got to get off this guy and avoid him. This guy has had bad putting, and he's normally good at putting. I'm going to start trying to use them. The putter should turn around. Like That's the way. That's the only way that I've actually seen stats be helpful is taking a putter example or knowing that, like, oh, my God, the guy putted way too well. He's fucked. Yeah, no, I, I think that – You like stats? I, I do. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I do like putting stats, actually. So here's it. There's two. There's two different bad putters. There's actual bad putters who are actually way better at putting than you or I or anybody that we know. Like Keegan and, or who? Yeah, yeah. Keegan Bradley, Ben on, you know, all guys that we can think of. List off, you know, who just admit on Twitter and it, it turns into a kind of joke. Those are bad putters. And then there's the guys that like, yeah, they putted too good last week. They putted too good. So there's. <laughs> Bad putters, and they put it too good. And then there's just guys like Colin Marikawa, who one week he's going to put like normal, 
and maybe less normal. Like, so I, I think that, yeah, you, you don't want to chase. We don't want to chase. Yeah, Cam Champ, bad, bad putter. But like the same thing is like, we're, yeah, stats in golf cannot predict what's going to happen. No, absolutely. They literally not. can't. So people get, people get tied up with this and they think, they think thoughts about things. Because they're used to the NFL formula of like, hey, that's what makes sense. This guy's price. He's played this. He's done that. Like this, all that stuff can be thrown out the window. It's golf, right? Pretty much. Yeah, I, I think otherwise, for a DraftKings purposes, if you're chasing a result, you need to go and check. Did they gain nine strokes putting? Because if they did... I don't know if that result, it's probably best to assume that that result, like a, a seventh place, is not going to get, you know, followed by another seventh place. You know what I mean? I mean like, if it does, nothing. that's way so lucky that it's almost unbelievable. Right. right. You know, exactly. you know what that's happened was Joel Damon did this, remember? Right. And we tweeted, yeah. we tweeted out, like, Joel Damon's on fire. He's never going to stop. And then we and got then rid of Ruby. Yes. Drew was remember like. That. Yeah, I would hesitate on that. Check out his putting stats. And, like, at that time, we were like, I don't know, this was three years ago, we were like, shut up, Drewby. This is golf. We love Damon. Damon will win in a tournament. <laughs> like, he was bad because he sucked at putting. And then it came true. It came true. And, like, he was totally right. So, like, uh, and yeah. that, let me add this. Let me add this. That's when we were like, how do we make a stat model that has negative bad putting? Bad putting. Yeah. <laughs> we wanted like, bad putters. So then we DM'd Moose and we were like, hey, Moose, can you add in the opposite where like <laughs> I can put in my model they suck at putting? And he's like, why don't you just take your, you know, no, what did he yeah, say? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, I remember that. He had a smart ass reminder. We took to Twitter with that too. That was he was smart. like, why don't you just not do that at all? Yeah. <laughs> Fucking idiots. Uh, uh, what about narratives? Now, I have a tweet each week. Oh, yeah. I might continue to do it. It's a lot of energy and time and effort to do these narratives, come up with the narratives, and then find the lineups and make it look good and, like, try to put it package it together for Twitter. But narrative lineups, I mean, they're <laughs> fun, but does a narrative even mean as much as anything? I don't think it means much at all. Like, it's the same exact thing as stats. Like, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And it's – what do you want to do? Do you want to have fun? Do you think that this matters for this guy this week? Whatever. That's like part of it, Eric, is fun. You have to have fun. Fun. So, like, dude, pick a guy that's good at Bermuda putting. That could actually – that's like, you know, he's used to the grass. Pick a guy that's from that type of area. Sure. Does that equate to the greatness? No, nothing does. So – do narrative are you using narratives in your process at all? Like if they just had a kid negative narratives that yeah. I would avoid if they got just had a baby. I just had a baby. Yeah. You look really good for a guy that just had a baby. I, I will actually, you know what's funny is like uh so I went to bed. I I went hit the pillow at like maybe midnight last night, and all of a sudden, not joking, it was eight p it was eight a.m. Eight. Isn't that unbelievable? It was an eight. I haven't seen an eight in years. And I was like, I popped up and I was like, my wife is still in bed with the baby. And like, you know, kind of. And then I'm like, oh, my God. So like for me, I was like, what the hell? So I woke up because my daughter was awake and crying and the monitor was going off or whatever. And I was like, oh, shit. 
oh my god, eight! So I ran in there, and then Liam's downstairs already, like up and at him, like the TV's on, and he's like, "Give me orange juice or whatever." But like at the same time, I ate it. Uh, so I had a good night's sleep last night. My eyes are looking decent. <laughs> but dude, this is crying, dude. So then, if someone that has a baby, avoid that person for avoid sure. Them. Absolutely, I, I think. But or not. Well, I think we've we've discussed this over the years as well. Is that the PGA Tour media is fucking awful? As far oh, yeah, as don't like, trust anything. Yeah, don't trust anything a person says in their interviews. Don't yeah. trust any report ahead of time. I could be withdrawing from a pro am and the next day winning the tournament for sure. Right, especially when it comes to injuries. We yeah. don't know anything. We don't know anything about injuries. The only thing really we can get is like a tweet about if they they got married or if they had a baby. That's all you can trust as far as narratives because they're not going to provide us anything else. This, now this this yeah. this this product is is very bad for fans and what they're yeah. they're trying to promote us to wager our dollars on them when Jordan Speed had a baby and I we was have no idea. Them, yeah. I don't understand. He he should be good here. He had a baby and I'm like I. Or this guy shows up with KT tape on the back of his neck, and we're like, where did that come from? He has a neck problem. Oh, yeah, he has a neck problem. He wasn't sure he was going to play. He wins the tournament. Hoist the trophy. Hi, Amanda Balionis here. How was your uh, body feeling on uh, Thursday morning before the tournament started? Well, actually, I didn't know I was going to even play because my body hurt so bad. But you just won. How how is that even possible? (laughs) So, like, that happens every goddamn tournament. And it's tiring. It's very tiring. And so I think, but I think narratives are true. So if we can, you know, we've got a former, you know, group of people here, the fantasy golf bug community, everybody go out and see what you can find out. We got to find out about these guys. Sure. They're hiding, they're hiding their injuries. They're going to hide their injuries uh, up until lock. No, fuck you on lock. And they're going to, and they're going to hide. Yeah. What other, other problems they might be having. I mean, we've seen them. We can uh, complain about the news coverage, but we also have to get back on track of the strategy <laughs> stuff. The strategy, though, like sometimes now you have to have a rhyme or reason for your clicking or otherwise there you don't know the why. Like, for example, if I'm making 20 lineups, which I'm probably going to get away from, but, but if you are at home, you can't just click randomly because what will happen is you'll get a result and then you won't know why you got that result and you won't be able to repeat that result. So there's a lot. That's why I do the tallies. That's why I have an organized structured way of making my lineup so that I then go, Oh, that worked or, Oh, that didn't work versus. Yeah. So how do I build my player pool each week? Now I did 21 names for the longest time because I felt like that was uh, limiting myself but at the same time, if you're making 20 lineups, you have to use 21 names or you're overlapping a shitload. Now, <laughs> after listening to a Peter Jennings talk to somebody on a podcast at one point, they were asking him or some expert real person that does this for real money. They they said, oh, I fluctuate. I go up and down, you know, depending on the week or how many contests I'm in or how many lineups I'm making. I kind of fluctuate and it's good to be flexible. So, of course, be flexible. Take the as many names as you need to take. You're going to need at least like, 14 to make 20 lineups but if you're you know if you're making 150 lineups you can use theoretically the whole field and like you could win but you got to narrow it down we talked about this eric is that there's a reason why 20 lineups might not work is because you're not narrowing it down enough you're not focusing enough on who is who is your guys where is the where's the value the best 
and then dying on those hills. And that's kind of more or less what we need to do and what you should do in DFS. And you should just almost like, it's almost a relief on Friday afternoon, like tear off the page, put it in the trash, start over the next week. It's over. Like you kind of have to have, because what happens to us is that we hem and we haw and we get 20 players or 30 players. And then you get, you're starring everybody. And then you get to Friday and then you're not sure. Like, did I get an a six of six? And you're waiting for the refresh DraftKings to see if you, how many six of sixes. And then from those six of sixes, which ones has a chance and all this shit. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, you're using cutsweats.com with the promo code Chad and you're getting 20% off there or something like that. I don't know what the promo code is for cutsweats.com, but I have a code there. But so now, that's fun too, but I think you're going to get the best results by picking like the eight to 10 guys and making like four or five lineups out of those 10 guys. Now, you're going to want to pick a variety of guys though. So that's the problem is that like you definitely want that good value guy, but you can't click the good value guy that's at 8,400 that everybody's clicking at 20%. You can't click him with the three other names that are chalky. So we're talking about. Yes, ownership doesn't matter, but it does matter when you're putting together the six people. So like you got in sometimes some weeks, it's great. You're like, you're in love with a guy that nobody likes. And then it's really easy to make lineups that are unique and that nobody's going to duplicate and that you're going to have a chance at rising to the top. The worst thing to do is to get all the chalky guys. They all go off and you're like, God, my lineup's probably so sick. And you open up DraftKings and it's like not even great because there's nothing differentiating you. There's no other little factor. So now also what happens if these ownership projections, Eric, you know, this as well, you get the ownership. I do the ownership pod on Wednesday morning. How close am I? How accurate are these ownership projections? You're pretty damn fucking good. Am I good? Well, okay. So they're bad compared to the reality, but then we're doing the best we can, but it's also, you're guessing about guessing. So like you're, you're, so then what, well, you know, like Joe said, like everybody is going to take web. I can't take web. Wait, now web's not owned or he's not as owned and it doesn't matter. So like you got all these things, these factors until the ownership projections. So it is necessary to consider who is popular, who's not popular. Cause sometimes I don't know if I like this guy or not. And then I learned nobody likes him at all. And then I'm like, Perfect. pop him in. So he's one of my eight or nine or 10. Now, Again, if you're building 20 lineups, you need 25 guys. Like, you literally do. So that's why I think you try to focus down, focus on, in each price range, the two guys you like the most, and try to build off of those guys as your core. And you look for and you seek out the three-entry, the single-entry, the contests that are rake-free, these listener league stuff that's giving you less rake or whatever. That's probably the best way to play draft. We're we're not – we haven't been playing correctly doing this – Roulette, short game. No. And I, I think that in just like it's pretty easy to make a uh, unique lineup in uh, like a main Sunday slate of NFL, I think it's pretty easy to make a unique lineup in uh, PGA. Oh, God, and- yeah. 66% of the people in the tournament that week are like 2% owned or 4% owned or whatever. There's only right. – so many names that everybody's just so scared. They can't make their own decisions. They just have to go to these all these, all these names that everybody else has already said, or it's so fucking obvious who the values are. So you have to use those guys. Right. 
That means and, there's so many opportunities to just fall in love with a name that nobody likes. And a lot of the times, the the obvious plays like these cheap running backs and some wide receivers where they've you know the other team the team's been decimated at wide receivers and there's cheap plays like that. That's obvious chalk that you should have in an NFL lineup. And if you're you know brave enough to fade it, so be it. But in golf, a lot of the times these like names. We always just laugh our asses off on Thursday morning at like 5.30 in the morning. We're like, oh, my fucking God, this guy is 28% owed. All the time. Because there are no obvious names that should be chalked in right. G-A-D-F-S golf, right. Right. literally. Like, or, like now, Joe saying, I, Joe saying I used Web at Wyndham, it's like the one example you can use. I said it. Yeah. But, he, but like, it's the one name at the one tournament that's like right he he's the auto pick so right, like right. to say that joe won the chalky guy is almost like but it was web at the window like it wasn't like the chalkiest guy at the masters that week because he would never fucking won with that guy right there's just there's there are some hilarious situations oh there's five sub five percent guys that win all the time i think all right I got to ask you a couple questions before we get out of here and then uh, we can leave this and be done and meet up next week going for the perfect lineup. Should you do that by leaving thousands of dollars on the table? Is this a good strategy going? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's a bad, it's a bad idea unless you, you know, unless you want to have that, like that lineup that's like in first place, like two minutes after lock and you want to have that screenshot. No one does that. People do that all the time. That's they okay. leave thousands off the table to have the like, to, like third, all six a.m. Yeah, all, they have all the six ten tea time. Yeah, so no, don't leave. Don't, you leave a hundred bucks on a table. Now, what, or even, don't leave it because what about now? I said narratives, but what about like correlating your lineup? Where if you're gonna make a lineup there and you think it's a bomber friendly course, you take all bombers, or you. Playing on a Bermuda grass course, you take kind of like the Bermuda guys. But what do you think about a correlated lineup? I, I, I mean, I, I, I like that, and I think there's a variety of correlated lineups. But I, I don't ever do that. I don't personally do that. I know you've done that, yeah. for, for six months. I'd say that's more health. likely to result in something than leaving money off the table. I'd say that. Um, Millie maker type contests. Should you enter these and ex- have an expectation? Or do you have to build a totally different lineup for a Millie maker? I, I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. I think we can throw one lineup <coughs> into the Millie maker now. And I think you throw it in for entertain, entertainment purposes. And you might actually have a good, you know, a, you have the same lotto chance as the one, guys that are ending for 150 lineups. Should I make 150 lineups? No. Well, unless you have time, I don't know. We both like to hand. We're, we're we're arts. We're artistic individuals. We like to we like to hand write out our lineups. We like to plug them in ourselves. But for those of the people that like to just use the sites, like we said, to each his own. So then, should I, if I'm not making 150, avoid 150 lineup contests? No, we've we've decided this now. This year, I think one of the it is bullshit. <laughs> We, I, yeah. we, Let you those can, idiots make 150 lineups thinking they're smart. And we'll throw in one. And we'll throw in one. And, and, that, we'll and that, that might goddamn, yeah, that might goddamn very well win. All right. So the truth, though, 
And what we're trying to say to the two people that are watching, and this is the end of the program, is that you need to have fun. Because why wouldn't you do this for fun? Like, what the hell are you doing? You're going to do this for profit? Play PGA DFS for profit, you fucking idiot. No, you're going to do this for fun. And if you don't do this for fun and you're grinding your dick off for a profit, like you think this is the NFL, then you're not going to have fun and you're no longer going to do this, literally. So don't do that for PGA DFS. Stop it. It's like the Jordan gift. Stop it. Just stop it. Stop it. Have fun. No one should tell you who to play. That's That is stupid. Play the goddamn names that you want to play. The touts, they pretend that they can predict, and then you'll be sad when they can't predict, and then you won't want to play anymore. So again, having fun means picking your own names because then you either won or lost with your own names, and this is okay. Now, imagine gambling and then not doing what you want with your money. Why would that be fun? Like, like do stuff that's fun. Like you do, you went all in on a guy every week or like going on three guys in a week. Right. Yeah. And we're going to be doing that with single entries. Um, Now comment below with your questions, your comments, your concerns, your rebuttals to this. But I will say, Josh, I think I added this as a ticker thing across if you have a problem, you need to gamble responsibly. You need to play for the in the dollar contests, the three dollar contests, five dollar contests. Don't get yourself into the situation where you're going for the million maker every week and you think that's a good call and that you're going to do it. Oh, the experts win. I'll win. No, I took the experts. I bought this subscription. No, if you have a problem, please call this number on the bottom or visit this website because you need help because this is supposed to be for fun, especially in PGA DFS. My God. Like, <laughs> it can be profitable, like, or break even style. Like, it can. And we've done that for three years now. And I've made a lot of money gambling on golf on outrights just because, you know, once you get in a hang of it, it's kind of fun. And you spread your money different ways. And it's fun. And the jock market. Have fun for fuck's sakes, or else you're going to quit. And then you'll never watch this again and you'll hate us for having fun. And the people do that. All right. Good luck to everybody. Josh. You are the man uh, behind the scenes. Jish Swish is uh, producing the program. That was a little bit longer than we thought it would go, an hour and 20 minutes. Next Tuesday, you'll find us doing the same thing. But we're going to do a little differently in 2022. We've actually started a new show, uh, Golf Guys. So the three of us, Josh, Eric, and I, are going to do this after the preferred lines each Tuesday night, where we're not going to go into touting. We're not going to tell you who to play. At that point, you should probably be able to make a lineup. What you're going to do is you're going to come to us and we're going to talk shit about everyone. Everyone's thinking that week. We're going to decide, you know, this didn't make any sense. We're going to cover all the things that make sure you don't have FOMO for that week. But at the same time, Eric's got two kids. I got three now. And Josh's wife's pregnant due in March. She's going to have a baby. It's going to be content. We're going to talk about all things being dads, playing golf, doing whatever, you know, drinking beers, having fun, clicking names. That's what we're going to do. That's going to be golf guys. Tuesday nights, nothing serious. Eric and I will come back to you doing air, doing the names and the reasons for the majors, right? Eric probably do like more formal touting. Maybe, maybe, but also I will be going, I don't know. 
I got talks with Fanshare Sports tomorrow about going and doing the ownership pods on Wednesday mornings. I'll probably still do the first looks Monday mornings. I got Josh Bennett producing the show. Uh, can you pop up the fantasy golf pod music? We got to maybe get some new theme music for. Uh, I'll get that for next for week. The golf I guy. Promise Put a timestamp right now. Uh, everybody that's week. chatted along, the Jessies, the PGA Couch. Oh, excuse me. Jesse. See you next week, everybody. Peace out. Thanks for watching.